Hello and welcome to SMPD, where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. This episode, we're looking at Disney's The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Yeah, now, first up, I'd forgotten it was actually called The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. I just thought it was Gummy Bears. And then when I've looked at it to, uh, to start reading up and do some research, I was thinking, am I looking at the right show? But then, obviously, there was only one TV show about Gummy Bears, so I obviously was. Uh, as far as I'm aware, there is. There I'm, may be another one that we don't know about. I've not come across any anywhere, so I'm, I'm assuming it's the right one. It's definitely the, the one I looked up is definitely the one I was thinking of. And it's definitely the one we're talking about. I can't find any others, but I may be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I only know the one, but I would never think to call it Disney's The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, other than we're doing a podcast. Oh, um, absolutely. It's just Gummy Bears, right? Yeah, of course so, it is. And I mean, who's got time to say all those words? Yeah, that is a mouthful, especially as like a four-year-old kid. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, you think of the ones that sort of would have been, okay, after it, but some alongside it. Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, DuckTales, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, back off. Yeah, it's a mouthful. I, not even just the Disney stuff. I can't think of too many other cartoons around that time that would have been that long a title, aside from maybe something like Around the World in 80 Days with Willie Fogg. Yeah, yeah, Jason the Wheel of Warriors, similar sort of level. But yeah, anyway, this seems yeah. like a very odd uh, title. Yeah, we digress already. And That's we're like, so unlike us. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Gummy Bears, um, well, sorry, Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears, an American animated series that first aired in 1985, which really threw me. I thought it was later than that. But it ran from 1985 to 1991. Um, It was the first um, animated production by Disney Animation Television. And um, I hadn't, this is something I generally didn't realise, it was inspired by the actual, the Gummy Bear sweets that um, you see them as Harry Bows now, but I'm not sure that Harry Bow made them originally. Um, Michael Eisner um, was inspired by the fact his son had a pack of them and made up a whole story about these gummy bears and then it went from there so it's actually an Eisner original uh, and this is the reason why we don't criticise Michael Eisner quite as much as some other people do well um, yeah I mean yeah we've, we've discussed on, on other shows and other episodes of this so there, there, ha- there are lots of contentious issues with Eisner and Disney but if he keeps churning out, or if he, you know, for the time he was there, he kept churning out stuff like this, I'm on board. I'm quite happy. He's the master of the high concept pitch. He really is. And to see a bag of sweets and think, well, I mean, just to get this from a bag of sweets, we'll, we'll get into the whole lore of it later on, as I'm sure. But this there's quite a lot going on in this show. And to get all of that from a bag of Haribos, yeah, essentially. It's absolutely amazing. Um and so we'll come on to the style of it and things later on. But yeah, just to, as you said, to be inspired by a bag of sweets and go, I know, I'll, I can make a series out of that and then run that for 65 episodes. Um, but yeah, so it, um, it premiered uh, on NBC in September 1985, uh, aired there for four seasons, then moved to ABC for one season in 1989, um, and then concluded on, um, in September 1991 as part of the Disney Afternoon. So. I mean, we've talked about the Disney afternoon before. This was kind of the starting point for it. I mean, this is generally heralded as the sort of the beginning of that type of 
that type of show that Disney were putting out. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, obviously, we call this podcast SMPD, being Saturday morning podcast. Not all of the shows that we talk about are kind of those Saturday morning cartoons. And we've discussed before about how the afternoon block in this country was more traditionally kind of Saturday and Sunday mornings. This cartoon especially is the earliest memory I have of weekend cartoons. It was on on a Sunday morning on Children's ITV on a Disney, I forget what they called it, but there was like an hour or so of just Disney cartoons with some studio interstitials with yeah. typically you know, kids' TV presenters. Yeah, you kind of had a, a glut of them. So I can't remember the original one. And then you had... Um... Let's say that one was called Dig It, and they had various different different shows. They were basically the same show. You had a presenter who'd introduce the cartoon, bugger off for 10 minutes while it was on, come back, introduce the next one, come back, introduce the next one. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was the staple of kids' TV for me. Yeah, exactly. And I just very vividly remember watching this show every Sunday morning. And especially when I got to that age, I was probably, I mean, it aired in 85, you said, which rings about true to me because I think I was probably about five or six. Well, that was the, that was the US. I mean, I'm not sure what the, the air dates were here, but they wouldn't have been far off, I wouldn't have thought, maybe a year. So I would say that was probably about right because um, I probably was about kind of five or six, seven at the most um, because I remember making the transition from getting up early and running down the stairs to watch it to eventually having a portable TV in my room and this still being on on the Sunday morning. Yeah. And then watching it in bed. And that is how I really fondly remember this show, is just waking up on Sunday morning and watching it in bed. Yeah, I mean, we for us, it was always, so we, it was the Sunday morning show. We were up. Um, my parents were usually sort of pottering around, and we, you know, the TV was on. And it was always like TV. Let's say we were ITV brats. Um, so it was always on. And me and my brother would sit there and literally just sit there, parked in front of it, you know, slack-jawed and, and watching. Yeah, it was... Um... It was the highlight of the block it was in. I can't even remember the cartoons that were around it. I no. have a feeling um, it was just things like Silly Symphonies and stuff like that, which ironically now, you, you give me a choice between the two and I'll take a classic Mickey cartoon or a Silly Symphony over Gummy Bears any day of the week. But obviously as a child, those just seem, seems like an odd thing to say, but, but they just seemed a little bit more sophisticated. But Gummy Bears works on a very base popcorn entertainment level yeah is, and i think if you, you said it's eisner it's high concept yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you look at it i mean the the, the problem with this of the city symphony stuff like that is that they were kind of throwaway and as a kid they didn't really mean anything whereas you had a story about no you had gummy bears and there was a story you could follow and there were the ogres who were funny and you had um you had the duke who was a bit of a bumbling idiot and you had all this stuff going on and you kind of engaged with that more than you did with city symphonies or even sort of the short Mickey and Pluto cartoons they used to get. And I think that's prob that was probably the appeal of it. And as so it be being the first of this type that Disney put out, it was kind of different. And it was sort of, it was a it was a departure from your sort of your, your two, three minute Mickey Mouse and your, your two, three minute Looney Tunes things that you were always seeing. And I think that's possibly part of the appeal. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's certainly one of the oldest um, memories I have of something that would have I hesitate to use the term arc because there was no real overarching story. But as you said, there was a definite recurring character. Yeah. You know, the, the villain appeared every week. 
you had, I mean, as the show went on, I remember there being more and more gummy bears from what they were when they started. They kind of added a few ones in. Yeah. So, yeah, there was something that was familiar about it, whereas a, a five-minute throwaway silly symphony was just different every time. Plus, as a kid, there's also that thing where, you know, some of those silly symphonies were in the 80s and they go back to, like, the 50s. Yeah. And they look old. And as a kid, you're like, what is this old-timey bullshit? Well, like, that was it. And I think that, I mean, you looked at some of the stuff and to, to have that alongside Gummy Bears and then latterly... Tailspin and Rescue Rangers and Darkwing Duck, they look that they look shiny and new. Whereas the sort of the, the City Symphonies and the sort of the, the the two three minute shorts, they looked old. Whereas at least with the output you got from um, from Warner Brothers with the Loon Tunes and stuff, it was consistent. And like the Hanna Barbera stuff was consistent. It always looked it always looked old, so you didn't see any different. Whereas the Disney stuff, there was a very definite shift. There was, and even between this and the shows that came after it there is a definite shift in, in quality in the animation. Yeah. Um, see that in Disney feature animation around this era too. So when this came out, we would have been talking around the time of sort of Black Cauldron, Oliver and Company, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they were still using that kind of scratchy photocopied aesthetic. Um, it wasn't really an artistic choice if mm. you read into the work into the studio at all. It was something that was done as a cost-saving measure. Um and then it again. It wasn't really until we came under Eisner's leadership and we kickstarted animation again in the early '90s that they moved back towards that kind of high-budget cell-drawn animation, as opposed to photocopying pages, which is what was happening. Yeah. And I suspect kind of what was happening here, because it is a little rough around the edges, especially for Disney. Yeah, um, it still looks a damn sight better than anything else that was around at the time. If you put this next to Rescue Rangers or DuckTales, there is a noticeable drop in quality. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, it speaks volumes. I went um, in researching this. Um, I was I was on Disney Life, and you can get Rescue Rangers, you can get DuckTales, you can get Goof Troop and Darkwing Duck. The only one you can't get is this. And I'm, I part of me wonders if that is that's because it hasn't transitioned properly, and it just looks a bit shit, and they've decided not to not to not to have it there. Quite possibly. I mean, I wonder if there's even a rights issue there as well. Maybe. But I mean, it's 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 I Disney. Imagine, and it's Disney and Disney television animations. So I mean, they shouldn't be. You never know, but no, they shouldn't be. But then all of the others with the Disney afternoon block would have been on ABC, presumably. Whereas this started elsewhere. Well, it's, it started on NBC and then it moved to ABC. But I mean, um, yeah, who knows? I say it's it's just it's a bit strange that. I say it's the only what it's the only thing of that era you can't get. Like even to a point that we've t- we talked about um, Darkwing Duck previously uh, on Who Wins, and we've sort of, we've alluded to like Tailspin and Goof Troop, which I'm sure we'll come on to at some point. And the fact that they had lesser runs, they they're not seen as as important as this one, but they they're they're widely available, and this isn't. Which I say it threw me a bit, and it ruined my lunchtime as well because I was going to watch it during my lunch break, and I just didn't get a chance. <laughs> I mean, I wonder where part of that as well is perhaps because the likes of Goof Troop and Tailspin, as much as they might be sort of considered lesser to DuckTales and and Rescue Rangers, for instance, I mean, that's debatable, as I say every time we bring Goof Troop up on this podcast, but they still feature Goofy and Baloo, so I wonder whether there's that to it as well. Like, yeah, true brand recognition there whereas gummy bears there really isn't 
Um, apart from, I think the design of the the trolls or the ogres hmm. rather, not the trolls. Um, that is, I mean, that's the first place I can remember seeing that kind of design. But you see that carry through in other Disney cartoons. They are recognizable creatures. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't place them anywhere else. But I'm sure, I'm sure you're right. But so I can't place them anywhere else. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's no, they haven't hung this. They've hung this on the story. They've not hung it on any characters. Where you look at Rescue Rangers, okay, we discussed it was basically the rescuers, but they decided to do Chip and Dale rather than um, the characters from the rescuers. Um, Tailspin had Blue and King Louie. Um, Darkwing Duck had um, Gizmo Duck came in. They had bits of Donald Duck, so they were kind of crossovers there. Ducktales had Scrooge McDuck, so they they hung it on the star. And this, you're right, this one didn't. This one was very much done on merit. Um, and I think that's partly looking at it, looking at it now and looking back at it, partly why I think it, I, I I look at it so fondly because there's like with Ducktales, they kind of tried to shoehorn Donald into it and shoehorn uh, Scrooge McDuck didn't really add anything to it for a lot of, a lot of the time. And I think that's it was a bit too much of well, we're going to use this character and build a show around it rather than build a show they wanted to build tell a story they wanted to tell and oh by the way we've got these characters as well so I mean part of that part of that for me is what is why this one's so uh, so interesting yeah I mean there is a whole world created here there is Lord you know there's the um, there's the book of the great gummies and, yeah. and, and all of this sort of thing there's a lot of history somebody sat down and created a world here now Whilst you can argue the Duck universe is sort of similar to that as well, you know, Duckburg is its own world with its own characters and its own set of rules and, and what have you. I don't think it's as dense as this kind of fictional medieval yeah. image, basically, is what it is. Well, that's you know? it. I mean, it, it, you're right, it is and it isn't, because if you look at Duckburg, Duckburg, yes, it was its own city and they, you know, they had its own sort of mythology and its own history. However, it was a modern city just happened to be inhabited by ducks rather than people it was kind of easy to draw on what was going on i mean the amount of work that went into building this world it had this very sort of old english um you know theme to it this old, old english style lots of folklore lots of sort of mysticism mythology even down to having a, a knight called gawain which takes you all the way back to sort of king arthur and knights of the round table that's sort of that level of um of planning and that level of detail you don't see anywhere else. They, they make a lot of assumptions in the modern ones because they set them in a modern world that people can relate to. So they haven't got to do the work. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. They, it, it also, by creating that world as well, it automatically lends this thing a sense of adventure that I don't think you even get in something like uh, Rescue Rangers. You know, there's always, there's always enforced peril there. Well, that's it. You just don't need it here. And, and that's the thing, I mean... the. You would you'd see films at the time. You'd have seen films which were set in the Middle Ages. You know, you'd have knights on horseback and kings and queens and things like that in films, and they were always adventure films. They were always um, lots of action, lots of them, lots of high-paced um, things going on that you had to follow, and you, and you went to breakneck speed. This is kind of a kid's equivalent of that, where you would tell the same sort of stories, but you had cute bears in it and big big mystical ogres rather than having opposing knights and things like that. Um, and you could engage with it, whereas something like something like um, Rescue Rangers, even though it, they were adventure shows, it was kind of a case of well, yeah, we see this on TV all the time. It's not special, and it didn't. In much of the, much of the way, it, it as I captured my imagination to a point where I as I stalked Chip, Chip and Dale around Disney World, um, this has a far greater resonance looking back at it because I say because of that 
effort that went in and what and what they didn't rely on in terms of assumption of what people knew. They they said they just went all out and said, oh, "Fuck it, this is our universe," and they went all out even down to having um, secondary characters from other countries so they could touch on things like colonialism and um, sort of relationships and alliances between um, neighbor countries and things like that, which you ne you didn't see in a lot. A lot of people, especially in America, European history isn't big in America. Um, it's better now than it was, but it's something that's kind of overlooked because we don't want to hark back to our days as being a colony of the UK and bits of us were inhabited by France and the Netherlands. So they, a lot of, them, of European history is ignored. And this kind of gives it a platform where people go, oh, shit, yeah, stuff like that may have actually happened. So it's, it's, I, don't know, I, I find it very interesting and possibly more so in, in its construction than, than the other damn Disney shows we've looked at. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's there's far more meat on the bones here in terms of that initial world building. I think, unfortunately, having rewatched it though, the show itself is quite shallow in the episode to episode movement of it. There is a really dense, rich world that's being created, and then the stories themselves tend to just kind of meander a bit. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and I think the problem they have is that being the being their first time out, they would have learned a lot of things like that, and they've had a lot of feedback from um, from viewer groups and things like that, which would have given them that impression. That want. So by the time you get to Ducktales, then Rescue Rangers, then Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck, and you moved on through the, through the, the the various different shows, they were kind of every every time every every new show was an evolution of the last, and the lessons they learned on the last one they applied to this one. So this one, they've kind of gone, okay, well, we, we've built this world, but then at the expense of story, because some of our stories aren't quite what we want them to be. So by the time we get to DuckTales, we'll spend a bit less time on the world building because we, we'll build our world, but we won't spend so much time immersing you in it, but we'll have better stories. And then by the time Rescue Rangers comes along, we'll kind of try and meld the two and fill, and fill in the gaps a little bit. And they just kept on getting better and better and better at it the more they did it. So by the time you get to your Darkwing Ducks, your Goof Troops, and then into your sort of, your um, your older kid cartoons, things like Recess, they were that adept at doing it that you, you, they are a lot more sophisticated if you look at them than this, which appears by comparison somewhat crude. And I think that's possibly an unfair phrase to use, crude, because it's not crude in any way, but it's just it's the the beginning of an evolution. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's we should not judge it harshly. Uh, based on what came after it, because without this, there's no question. Without this, there is no Ducktales, there is no Tailspin, there is no Disney Afternoon. That's right. Um, I mean, whilst it may not be available now, and it may not be necessarily um, as forefront in people's minds as the kind of the big hitters, this did have a fairly big cultural impact. I mean, we're talking about to the point where I would go shopping with my parents on a weekend and they would sell gummy berry juice in packs of three. Yes. In test mode. So yeah, I mean, this, this stuff was everywhere. I mean, it's like gummy berry juice. It was mass marketed, but, and it was just basically blackcurrant squash or blackcurrant cordial and like 9 million percent sugar. However, it sold and people bought it. They absolutely lapped it up, no pun intended, because it had gummy bears on it. And there were clothes, and there were lunch boxes. I think there were sweets as well, which you know they branded up for a little while as Disney gummy bears rather than just they your average. Definitely were. Yeah, so, I remember having those. They definitely were gummy bear gummy bears. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, this this shit was everywhere. So we went to to Disney World when I was seven or eight. I can't remember exactly when it was. 
Um, and there's there's a picture of me clinging on to Zummy Gummy for Grim Death. Now he was he was my favourite. He was the leader. Um, also helped he wore glasses because I wore glasses as a child. And it's one of these things you identify with, which is stupid. But now, if you look at the picture, I'm clinging on for Grim Death. I'm surprised I'm not still holding on to his leg. That fucker was not going anywhere. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean it's. Like we, we talk about it you know, potentially not looking as, as good as some of the others and potentially the story is not being as sophisticated or not as well written as some of the others. But the probably the most important thing about this show is its legacy because without this, there's no DuckTales, there's no Chippendale, there's no Tailspin. We don't go anywhere from this. Uh, it was a big gamble for Disney. I mean, they, they, was, they spent a lot of money on it. I think they spent somewhere in the region of 15 to $20 million on this show not really wow. knowing where they were going with it, not really knowing what it was going to become. And it could, in theory, have been $20 million they never saw again. But as it turned out, it was so successful, they were then able to go on and do DuckTales, which was then even more successful, even though it cost them more money. They were then able to go on to do Rescue Rangers and Tailspin and all the rest of it. And the rest is kind of history. But without this, we, you know, there's, there's no Disney TV animation. No, definitely not. And it's interesting when you talk about the... Um the level of money spent on it and the budget and we've previously said that obviously it's got that kind of slightly scratchy animation style which was there for saving money i don't actually know if this was done in-house or whether it was subbed out or not but you have to imagine a large amount of that money has probably gone on the voice cast oh god yeah i mean the, the cast is pretty huge and it, it's all the usual suspects you know jim cummings Tress mcneil um People we keep on talking about time and time again. Um, Rob Paulson being another one. Um, you know the people. Every time we talk about a Disney cartoon, it's the same people. And as I said, this no. I mean, this is a good starting point for them. And so every time they do a show, you'd imagine it's just well, yeah, we did it for that much last time. But look how successful that one was. Look how much money we made you. We want a bit more. We want a bit more. So I mean, the outlay for this. I mean, they did they did ninety five distinct stories over sixty five episodes. That's a lot of voice work to do. And so the, the, if, if they're spending $20 million on, on the production of this show, it's, I, I imagine you're right, I imagine at least half of that's going on the voice talent. You'd have thought so, yeah. And like you say, they did 90-some-odd stories as well. So th there's a hell of a lot of teleplays to write here. Well, that's it. I mean, the, the way it was set up, and we, we talked about this with some of the other shows, um, not the Disney ones, but some of the other shows we looked at, we looked at things like Rugrats. They did 65 episodes, 30 of those consisted of two 11-minute cartoons. So um, across the, the 65 episodes, there were 95 distinct stories. So, so that's, you know, that's a lot of writing, that's a lot of animation. Um, and a lot, you look back at it and you're not, you're not necessarily going to remember distinct episodes or distinct stories, but you will remember certain visuals or certain things of the characters. I can always remember the little gummy bear, whose name I can't remember, bouncing on um, Dugig Thorne's head. And he's sort of scrunching his head into his neck and his moustache sort of kicking out a bit. I'll, admit, I'll always carry that visual with me. I have no idea why. But whenever I think of gummy bears, and I'm thinking of gummy bear juice and I'm bouncing around, I think of that. don't know whether it was in the credits or whether it's just something that's embedded in my brain. But you always go back to that visual. And I think it's very distinctive. And a lot of what they did was very distinctive. I think even the character designs themselves, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the little one that's... Cubby, Cubby, yeah. I want to say, yeah, Cubby. Um, and they had they the names were most of them had some kind of alliteration or they rhymed or something. They, they all rhymed. Um, well, Cubby, you know, you got Zummy Gummy, who was the old sort of wizard. Um, he's sort of the closest one to the ancient gummies, and he was a bit of a magician. He was the center. He was always the center of everything. 
um, although he tended to um, leave the practical stuff to um, to the others. Then you had um, Gruffy Gummy, who was um, a bit of a Mondre Jack type character. He's very old-fashioned, very gruff, very uh, overbearing, um, and kind of acts as a disappointed father to the younger ones. He's always sort of chiding them and telling them what to do. But then when it, when thing, when things go the way that they, they're intended them to and they, they win the day, he's always very proud and he's always very supportive. And it's almost that sort of um, nurture by, ne by neglect sort of uh, idea whereby you, you kind of make them fend for themselves and they learn from it. Um, so that I mean, and that's his character all the way through. You kind of um, he, you kind of build on that from from day one. Then you had um, Grammy Gummy, who is um, another old bear. She's the matriarch. She looks after them. She cooks and cleans and uh, makes sure they've got the gummy berry juice. Um, she's the only one who's got the secret recipe. Um, and yeah, so and her and Gruffy Gummy sort of bicker like an old married couple. That's kind of the way they're set up. Zummy's kind of a wise old kindly grandfather. Then you've got the two older parental type ones who bicker all the time, and then you've got three kids: uh, Tummy Gummy, who's the token fat one; um, Sunny Gummy, who wants to be a princess. So when when they're interacting with the humans, especially the human princesses, um, she very much identifies with those. And then you've got Cubby Gummy, who, um, as I said, is the, the little one, little pink one with the blue with the uh, the blue hat, always getting scrapes, a bit like Scrappy Doo, always eager to fight, wants to be a knight, wants to be the center of everything. Um, and he has a, an alter ego, which I think is like the Crimson Avenger or something like that. Um, and again, goes off and fights and you know, picks up fight, picks fights with the ogres and stuff like that because he wants to. He wants to be like the old, you know, the old knights, the traditional knights who were very brave and would go off and fight dragons and monsters and shit. This is kind of his version of that. Yeah, and and when you look at that, like it's easy for us to describe their characters in a couple of sentences each. Hmm. Again, you know that kind of high concept is like they're almost stereotypical character. I mean, you could easily compare them to the kind of thing that happens with the Seven Dwarves. Yeah. And especially in terms of their character design, like we're talking about Zummy Gummy looks very similar to Doc. You know, he's got yeah. the glasses, he's got this hat which just distinguishes him from the others. Yeah, and kind of a sort of slightly plumpish, plumpish face with the, you know, sort of the, the, the very kindly old man sort of feel to it. Yeah, and then you've got, like, when you look at Gruffy, the way he carries himself, he's always got his chest out, he's got his arms folded, his body language is very defensive and grumpy. Yeah. And Grammy Gummy's kind of a bit plump and looks like she's just going to come and give you a big hug, you know, and she's yeah. got that old lady voice. And then Tammy, obviously, is very fat and voiced by, I mean, Lorenzo Music, of all people. Yeah. So he, he basically is Garfield, for want of a better word, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, then when, even when you get into like Sunny Gummy and you look at her character design, she's a little bit tomboyish and you get her character straight away, you know, she's she's bright yellow, so she's kind of cheerful and yeah, she wants to mix in with the kind of girly stuff and be a princess, but she's also quite happy to throw down and get a bit scrappy. Yeah. You, know, it, you can see their characters immediately before they even open their mouths. Yeah, such that's as, right. You know, it's very well done. Yeah, and like even like talking about the, the color of Sunny, like obviously you know, there's an equation of sun and yellow. But if you look at um, Gruffy and uh, Grammy, Grammy is very warm. Um, like the, so the, her clothes are sort of are, are blue, so they give give a bit of sort of cooling to them. But her face it's very orange and very you know, very very sort of welcoming. Then you look at Gruffy, who's all grey and sort of dark and a bit sort of scary and a bit a bit off putting. And they they've just designed these characters to be exactly what they say on the tip. But it works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, unfortunately, doesn't carry through, I think, quite as well with the human characters. No. Um, 
I yeah. forget their names, but the little boy and the little girl are very generic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the big problem. They had they had so many human characters who they didn't need. Um, they did kind of blend in. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm just looking for their names now. Um, but yeah, you had um, Princess Kala was the main um, girl who was the one who Sonny was always friends with. Um, and then you had, um, I say you had, you had a myriad of human characters, and so most of them didn't really add a great deal. Um, like I said, they, there were some interesting thing, uh, interesting nods to things like colonialism and sort of imperialism, looking at the alliances with what was essentially a French country next door. Um, and then a, a prince from the Far East who comes to uh, comes to visit Dunwin as well. You know, they, 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 there was some very high concept stuff, some very big stuff, but there was so much of it. And on top of the the gummy bear law, it was just it's just far too difficult to follow. And I'm I'm sort of reading it now. I've got it on the screen in front of me. I'm I'm lost even just trying to read it. Oh yeah, I mean the the law is massive. I I actually remember there being books. Um, I certainly had. A lot of books on tape, which were gummy bears, which had extra stories in. They weren't just translations of the cartoons. Right. They were only stories, and it was the thing where you know the the book is read to you on the tape, and you've got somebody doing the voices and stuff. And yeah. You get a little ping when it was time to turn the page. I had loads of those hmm. of gummy bears, loads of them. So it, there is a whole rich world there, and it it kind of surprises me that it's never been revisited. Yeah. Although, I mean, to be fair, I, I can't imagine, when you look at some of the treatment that Disney have given some of the things they've revisited now, especially the Mickey Mouse type stuff where they've gone down the, the, CG, the CG route, and it doesn't look, it doesn't feel right, and it's, like, Jess is in the process of watching every single episode of Mickey's Clubhouse at the moment, and it's great, and the stories are there, the characters are there, and it's fine, but they don't look right because they're CG and they're all shiny, and it really fucks it's me creepy. off. And yeah, to do the, to do creepy. that with gummy bears and chip and dale and like, even what they did with ducktales it just doesn't sit right it, my brain doesn't quite process it the way i want it to and so i, I no, can't i can't imagine these characters being three you know 3d polygons in in cg it just doesn't work for me no i mean they don't necessarily have to be i know um ducktales is is still 2d but it's done in the same way that the new mickey mouse shorts are so yeah. it's got this kind of slightly anarchic style to it which i personally really like um i'm not sure it suits ducktales quite as well as it suits the mickey shorts um, and it certainly wouldn't suit gummy bears but no. there's no reason that they can't find a way to update the style no i mean if they were going to do it I mean, i'd rather they did it in a sort of um tangled or big hero six way the way they said they've got they've, they've drawn those with this, this the spin-off shorts I think I'd rather see that than them trying to sort of CG it the way they've done the Mickey Mouse stuff. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, again, I've said it before on this podcast, but that Tangled show really is top-notch. It's fucking excellent. Yeah. So if if they go down that road, that's fine. I personally am more surprised that, especially in this day and age, there has not been a live-action stab at this with CG gummy bears. I think the uh, problem with that is you run the risk of it looking like Yogi Bear, and that was so fucking poor. Um, I know it wasn't Disney. A long time ago, though. We've come on a long way from there. I mean, when you look at what's just been done with Christopher Robin and stuff. Yeah, true. I mean, I I've not, not seen that. that with gummy bears. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why they can't. And I say it would be interesting to see. Um, I think the problem is, I mean, I, I've not, obviously, Chris Robin's about to drop or has just dropped. I've not seen it. Um, I've seen trailers for it. And it, I say it does look very good. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, thinking of 
some of the the, the um, CGI crossovers we've had with live action, and the majority of them are absolutely piss poor, and they either get the scale wrong or they they just get something slightly off, and it just throws the throws the entire aesthetic out. And that would be my worry with this is that there's there's so much going on that you'd end up losing either the effect of the visual or you'd end up losing the story because you'd be trying to keep up with it. But that might just be me. That might just be me getting old. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of what you're talking down there actually comes down to the story and the writing rather than it does the ability to render these characters in 3D. Um, and obviously that comes down to the creative team that you put behind it. Uh, I, I just find it, uh, it... It's an open goal, I think. It, the medieval setting you've got already, as we said at the start of the show, you've got this inbuilt adventure theme. Yeah. You can appeal to the kids of today with these kind of bouncy 3D animated characters and you appeal to our generation with the nostalgia of it all. Yeah, true. And I mean, you know, at, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, it's Disney. You know, it's, it's got, if, they, if they make it, it'll sell. And they'll, you know, if they make it, they'll make a good fist of it. Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, there's so much stuff being remade and rebooted at the moment that I, I just get to a point, I think, just leave some things alone. Leave me with something from my childhood that you don't go back and spit on. Um, and whether it's good or not, I mean, there are some things I just don't want to see redone. To each their own, I guess. I'd definitely be up for it. If this was made as a live-action film, I would be up for it. I'd Don't, be get all me over wrong. it. Don't get me wrong. If they made it, I'd watch it, and I'd probably love it. I'm just at that point at the moment that there's so much stuff being redone, I'm thinking, I just want a break. I want something new, something I haven't seen before, and I want to keep something from my childhood in my childhood that's a bit special. I say, if it came out, I'd watch it, and I'd probably love it, but that's... I think I'm in so that's a grumpy old man mood at the moment where everything is just, oh, for fuck's sake, leave, leave something alone. Yeah, you're definitely coming across as a, a grumpy gummy. Yeah, so. quite possibly. Um, so, yeah, so we've talked about the, um, the, sort of the, the background of the show then. Um, it's one of the, th the key things I remember. I know we had this conversation when we decided to do this episode. Um, the theme tune is fantastic. And I probably... I mean, I, I remember quite a lot of it. I'd imagine you probably remember more of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 you you play the start of that theme song. People know what it is. No, there's no um, there's no ambiguity. People who watch this show will still recognise it you know, thirty years later. Um, and yeah, it was it was massively iconic. And on top of that, you have things like gummy berry juice, which because of the, just by virtue of the name of it, stands out so much. Again, people remember it. People know what you're talking about. If I say gummy berry juice, people will, who've seen the show will know what I'm talking about. And then I'll be expected to start bouncing up and down and all the rest of it, which I don't tend to do, but you never know. Um, and yeah, it's... it's, it's how come... How come... Point. How come there has never been, like, at least not to my knowledge, how come there's never been, like, a designer drug called gummy berry juice? Because, again, fucking open goal... Well, there you go. We're, sure. we're always complaining that we're poor, so let's let's go make it. Just find a chemist and uh, market that shit. So, if any chemists are listening, um, actually, no, let's scrap that. Let's not go down the road of peddling drugs on this show. Uh, yeah. This is being recorded, but still, yeah. open go again. There are so many marketing opportunities with this show, and I know, obviously, they took advantage of most of them because Eisner. Yeah, but, exactly. Was to show like the man was a merchandise machine. Yeah, he he didn't miss a trick. Um, and I think this was this show was kind of a forerunner for what came after it. In as much as they they recognised what they could do with this, and then they turned it up 
every every time they did a new show, same as we talking about sort of the, the evolution of the quality of the shows, in terms of the merchandise, they were just every time you did a new show, it was something else and something else and something else, and it, it just kept on growing and growing and growing. And again, like to the time we were at Disney World, you had so many different versions, so many different plushes. You'd have a five inch or a six inch plush, then a ten inch plush, then a no, two foot plush if you could get it on the plane. And you'd had those, then you had key rings and you had wallet chains and all sorts of stuff. And you had that for every franchise that was going at the time. So you had it for gummy bears, you had it for rescue rangers, um, you had it for ducktails, and they just kept on growing like that. And I said, the whole thing of that is every time they did something new, they go, oh, okay, we'll do that. So Chip and Dale will have this. Oh, can we just retcon that and actually do that for ducktails as well and do that for gummy bears as well? And they didn't miss out on anything. So anything, that new, anything new that one show had, they all had it. Yeah, and so much of it was just cheap shit. Oh tech. yeah, it was absolute tat. But kids buy shit. I mean, I've yeah. I've got yeah. at home from from that trip to Disney World. I've got I've got a bunch of keyrings. We bought keyrings everywhere we went. So for all the characters we liked, so umpteen Minnie and Mickey Mouse ones, Scrooge McDuck's, Donald Ducks. Um, then we went to Universal. So we had Turtle, uh, not Turtles. We had some like King Kong and stuff like that. Because Turtles were an MGM, I think, weren't they? Um, so but all this sort of stuff and. I've still got this bunch of key. There must be forty keyrings on this ring. I've never looked at them since, but there's boatloads of them because kids buy cheap tat because that's all they can afford. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a memory for that trip. And I I go back now and I I look at oh, I, I I found it randomly the other day. I look at this bunch of keyrings and my brother has the same bunch and some are slightly different colours. So we know which ones we know who's is who's. But looking back and thinking, oh that's that's the one that was the Roger Rabbit bit or that was that was where genie from aladdin was when we went the second time and stuff like that. and you just it's just something as a as a sort of memento and that i think that's probably why i've kept hold of them in the end because it's cheap crap and if i tried using any of the keyrings they'd probably fall apart mainly because they're like 30 years old now but i look at them and i think oh fuck, no, that's, that's something i really wanted i had to have this fucking piece of you know, piece of plastic and it, it's amazing and it's because there was gummy bears on it yeah exactly um I say, let's face it what kid actually wants to buy a keyring? What kids even got fucking keys? Exactly, but you keyring for gummy bears on. The gummy bears on it. Yeah, yeah. fucking hey, no, I can't, can't not have it. And I, 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 I don't specifically remember, but I would have bugged the shit out of my parents to let me buy that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's the with the lunch boxes and the t-shirts and all sorts like. They were instantly elevated to a status above all other fucking lunchboxes and t-shirts because mm. they featured gummy bears or ducktails or a lion yeah, or whatever that's it right. was. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it had it had a huge impact, not just on in terms of, sort of the television aspect of it, but what what the legacy was for marketing those shows and building those shows that followed as well. Um, so, so we talked about sort of its, its broadcast history. Um it was rebroadcast on syndicated Disney Afternoon block and rerun Disney Afternoon through the summer of 91. In later years, it's shown on the Disney Channel from October 91 to at least the January of 1997. So again, it had five and a bit years on the Disney Channel. Uh, and then on Toon Disney, um, it aired um, up until 2001. So, I mean, it ran for, it was on air for a bloody long time. And that seems to be the, the, case, the case with a lot of these sort of early, um, early Disney animation um, shows, this of the, the afternoon block, is that they ran them in syndication for, for over a decade. And no, they, they really got their money's worth, but they, they were always popular enough to do that. 
I mean, if you know, you're not going to devote screen time, especially pre-digital, where you only had a handful of channels. You're not going to devote that much airtime to show that people aren't watching. No, I mean, I'm actually surprised it it was still in production up until 1991. I remember it as a very very young child, like I said. Well, say very young, like five or six, maybe. Yeah. Um, I was ten. Like by that point. It's, I was on to full-on action cartoons. Yeah. I didn't realise Gummy Bears was still a thing. But, I mean, it, it's odd because, I mean, you look at some of the other setups and, like, um, Rescue Rangers and DuckTales, they had the same number of episodes but over a period of a year and a half, maybe two years if you're lucky. This had 65 episodes over six seasons. So you'd have a season of 13, a season of 12, a season of eight, and they kind of pieced it together. So it wasn't as if they were banging out show after show after show. And I think that was one of the things they learned, whereas by the time they got to DuckTales, they got to Chippendale, it was, right, we need 65 to hit syndication, so let's blast them all out in one go. Let's not try and have any sort of longevity. We will get the 65 out, then we'll move on to the next one, and we can just keep on building our portfolio, have the product, and move on to the next one, so people will keep on watching and watching and watching. If we've only got one show that we're putting out 13 episodes a year, we're not going to get any traction. We're not going to build as a, as a brand, and we're not going to expand. So I mean, the, yes, it ran for it, it was on air for six years, but it still only had the same number of episodes as as Rescue Rangers, which was on for a year. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't realize it was it ran for that long either. I mean, I think when you're that age, you kind of, everything just runs forever, and you it doesn't go off the air. You stop watching it because you get too old for it. And I think that was probably what happened here is I just didn't realize it had gone off, and then by the time you got to the next ba- next batch of weekend morning Disney shows something else would have been on and DuckTales would or wouldn't be on and I wouldn't really notice because then next, t- next time I watched it, something it would be on, something else would be on again or DuckTales would be back. And it was just it's just sort of keeping track of the cycles as they go around, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't realised it ran for quite so long, but the fact that it was its last noted airing uh, was December 28, 2001. So, I mean, you are talking 15, 16 years after it was broadcast. It's crazy. And yet... It's not on Disney Life. What the fuck, Disney? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll qualify that by saying it's not on Disney Life in the UK. It may well be in America, um, but it's certainly not here. Is Disney Life available in America? Sorry, yeah. off topic. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it runs much the same as Netflix and all, and all the other stuff. They just have regions and you know, it depends on where you connect, what in, where you connect into the internet as to what you can see. Oh, right, okay. Um, I thought Disney was still kind of looking into their streaming stuff. Well, they bit. are because there's this. They're looking at their whole streaming service, aren't they? But in the meantime, they, I think they realise they need a platform to put everything on to compete. Um, otherwise, by the time they get their sort of their streaming service up and running with their sort of new Netflix or wherever it's going to be, they can't be they can't be so far behind that they're never going to catch up. So they, it's a case of something's better than nothing. I think in America. Okay. There you go. Off topic um, completely, but I may be I yeah, may be wrong on that. But I mean, yeah. it, it was certain, last time we were in America, which was eighteen months ago. It was certainly available then. Okay. So, yeah. um, um, I'm, a, I'm a complete novice at Disney life because I'm a tight ass. Yeah, I, I've only I, I had my free trial um, just before we went to America last time, and then they've done an offer over the summer where you get, where if you do if you get it through the Amazon store. Um, or through the Kindle store, you get three months for 99, uh, 99p, so I did that. And when that ends, I'll probably cancel it again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I might look at that myself. <laughs> yeah, give it a look. I say it's through the Kindle store, so if you've got a compatible Kindle, it'll work on there. 
Um, and then, no, I fucking won't because Gummy Bears isn't on it. So yeah, so no. There, there's, there's some good stuff on there. There is a lot of good stuff on there, but no, no Gummy Bears. I'd say okay. it, it ruined like the lunch we, break. We're shilling for Disney Life now. So. <laughs> Unless they're going to pay us some fucking sponsorship, let's move on. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll pass it on. We'll, we'll see what marketing can do with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the whole concept of Gummy Bears, so it came from Eisner seeing a packet of fucking sweets, which is incredible. And it's probably... I, I kind of respected the bloke anyway for what he achieved, but that just takes it to a whole other level for me to see a packet of sweets and turn it into a $20 million TV show is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I mean, to the point where... I, is Gummy Bears a brand, or is that just... We call them that. Do you know what I mean? They're like, a brand now. Um, I don't know if they were at the time. Like, they are they are now Haribo Gummy Bears. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't know... If it was, you know, it's like there's there's licorice all sorts, and then there's bassets yeah. licorice all sorts. That's right. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure is the answer to that. I mean, the, there is there is a they are a brand now, but whether they were at the time or whether they were just gummy bears, and he took the name and ran with it. Um, I'm not sure. Um, but gummy bears, a fictional group of anthropomorphic bears who've had a long and rich history and are relatively unknown to the humans of the world who believe their legends and fairy tales. Now, the, the backstory to this, and we talked about it being such a rich backstory, it's actually quite dark as well. Um, and so I say there's a lot of it rooted in um, certainly sort of, you know, Middle, Middle English um, mythology. Um, but again, looking at sort of the, it, it, it alludes to some sort of the issues of the Crusades as well, where they were sort of looking at um, potential, you know, potential genocide of, sort of um, smaller races and things like that. And it's some some of the some of the themes are actually quite dark, and you don't, you you never pick them up as a child, but again, and you know, we've we've talked about that before, and so it's it's a fairly well known staple of of children's animation now that you know you put things in for the adults as well, but you you wouldn't have thought of it back in nineteen eighty five on a Disney kids cartoon that they'd be sort of hinting towards genocide and you know, wiping out entire you know entire species. Um, yeah, wasn't this something about like a, a great gummy war or something? Yeah, like that? so what you had, um, it said in ancient times, about 500 years before the events of the series, the great gummies and the humans lived peacefully together side by side, but for reasons that weren't detailed, um, although it was suggested in the episode Light Makes Right and the Knights of Gummadoon, that the more malevolent humans craved the magical and mechanical advancements of the gummy bears and threatened them with war and possible genocide. Um, the great gummies were forced to flee and sail, uh, set sail across the sea to find uh, new homes. Uh, the ancient great gummies left behind small scattered populations of bears to watch over the ancient gummy cities and warrens, such as the main group in the series, uh, the Gummy Glen Gummies, uh, to await the time when humans and gummies could, could peacefully coexist so they could summon uh, the great gummies to return home. So, I mean, yeah, you've got this whole thing of civilizations being wiped out and, um, again, you, you look at sort of things like the conquistadors, so the, the Spanish and Portuguese conquistadors going to the New World, I mean, no, it's 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 set. It's the feel of it is that sort of time, that sort of um, no, that medieval um, period, and yeah, you just kind of get th you look at it and go. At the time, you'd go, oh, well, no, the, the gummy bears are the heroes, therefore the humans must be the mean ones, and they're no, they're horrible. But actually, looking at it, it's really fucking dark, and th there's a lot in there that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Um, again, so much of that comes down to we see that now as an adult. Yeah. As a child, I don't remember any of that. I mean, I remember the the great gummies because there's the book and stuff, yeah. and they're always like searching for the for the wisdom of the great gummies. Yeah, I I vaguely remember the the great gummies hiding, 
but that that's kind of it. And it's a very vague recollection. Like I don't, I, I certainly couldn't have told you before I read that why they were hiding or what they were hiding from or anything. I just remember that you had this small group of gummy bears, and there was a bigger group somewhere else. Yeah, I. If I remember that much about it at first, I know. I know they brought other gummies back later on. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, they the you had universe. Yeah, I mean, you had the sort of the, the five main ones or six main ones we talked about earlier on. You also had um, Gusto Gummy, um, who's an artistic individualist stranded on Desert Island for twelve years um, with Artie Deco, which is horrendous. Um, and then they they um, Tummy and Gruffy are shipwrecked on the island, and they meet them. And then they bring them back. You've got Chummy Gummy, um, who was Jim Cummings. Um, Adventurous Gummy, who's the youngest member of the group and therefore the last surviving gummy at Gummerset. Cub, uh, Cubby and Cabin stumble across an unconscious Chummy in his airship. So again, they, 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 saw, they saw ways of bringing in these, these traveller gummy bears. And they didn't really have to explain it. It's just, well, we know they're so scattered around the globe anyway. So any way in which we can find them, any time we haven't got a story that's directly involved in Gummy Glen, we can, we can bring people back. And then later on, you had um, Ursalia, which was um, an abandoned city, um, where again there was some uh, some gummies found. There was um, there was some, I think there was um, they were like a, a more primitive race of, of gummies, so they was of more bar- barbaric, um, a little less cultured, and they so they they were eff- they were effectively civilized by the gummy bears you met. Um, but again, it's a, they, they were sort of played up. They played up the fact that they were driven that way now the humans destroyed their homes so they kind of became feral and more so animalistic um and then over time that sort of faded um and yeah they just had these you know i think they brought back sort of half a dozen throughout the course of the season where uh, the, the, the six seasons where they just went oh well yeah we kind of need some new characters and some new stories but we need to do it in such a way that we don't ruin the continuity it's not just a case of these what these turn up and we don't know where from because they're supposed to be isolated they're supposed to be in hiding so if you all of a sudden you have half a dozen turn up out of nowhere it kind of ruins that yeah i guess so um something that's just popped into my head and i guess it's a little bit off topic well no it's not off topic it just just takes us maybe somewhere that we weren't going anyway there are two children gummy bears yeah yeah and there are these other gummy bears that exist in other gummy bear colonies yeah which suggests that the gummy bears that we follow are like their own little civilization. They're not necessarily all related. Yeah. They just all settled there like a like a town. Yeah? Yes. Like a community. Yeah. So where the fuck did the children come from? Well, when a mummy bear and a daddy bear love each other very much, they give each other a special. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Is the answer to that? I mean, I think but the the whole point of it. Only fucking Grammy gummy. And those kids are quite young. Well, every every village needs a bike. Um, no, I mean it's 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 typical of a kid show of, of that type and that age. You're not supposed to think of that, and as as a child, you wouldn't think of that. It's only as a slightly perverted mid thirties man you kind of get to that point of wondering hey, if the whoa, gummy whoa, bit. Whoa, 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 hold on! I think you'll find I'm a fully perverted <laughs> late thirties man. Well, so I, I was talking about myself, but yeah. With our descriptions. I was talking about me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 one of those things that I say. It, you just 
you're not supposed to think about. And as a child, you never would. You ident- you you have to have to have children, um, sort of young characters and children involved because that's that's your into the world. That's how you identify. Mm-hmm. If it's yeah. just, if it's just a show about adult gummy bears, you're not going to give a fuck. No, you're probably right. Although then there is like the um, the young squire and the princess that the characters ends for kids as well. I don't know. My mind just went there when we were talking about the other races. That's, yeah. That's no. what there's, there's a definite kind of civilization sort of culture type thing at work, which means that this is more than just a family unit, which I kind of just always assumed it was. Yeah, I was kind of the same. Um, but yeah, it's you're right. There's, there's got to be some question around it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, you're just not supposed to think about that. Um, I don't know. That doesn't stop us generally, but uh, that's that's how it kind of works. Um, no. I mean, so they were the. But, I mean, if that's the case, who's? I mean, who's actually fucking Grammy Gummy? Well, presumably anybody who can. Well, yeah. I mean, at least three of them have got to be her kids. So. Yeah, but uh, you know, in in, in this particular universe. Then. In this particular universe, genetics might not apply. It might not be a case of you limiting the gene pool. It might just be, you know, survival of the species. We'll worry about it later. Yeah. Have I mean, any of the kids got webbed feet? Anything about the physiology of gummy bears, other than then they drink the gummy berry juice and fucking bounce around everywhere. We don't know actually actually reproduce. We don't know. Right. Can they die? Do any of them ever die? I don't think they. Do. I don't think do they, they do because it's no, it's it's an early Disney cartoon. I don't think they do. Um, but yeah, they might. Um, but yeah, it, it's this sort of thing. Until it happens on screen, you're not supposed to think about it. The question is, do any of them have webbed feet? Because that'll tell you who the who the parents are. Yeah, you know, inquiring minds want to know. Well, that's it. Well, yours does anyway. Um, yeah. Okay, my inquiring <laughs> mind wants to know. Yeah, I, I, I can, no, I can live without knowing. I've got to be honest. Throughout through the course of this this podcast, we are slowly ruining my childhood. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll ignore that one. I'll let that one go. I mean, my mind just went there. Look, you put a mic in front of me, and my mind goes there, and I'll say it. So yeah, I, no, I that's that's fine. I'm I'm still traumatized by um by the Baymax and uh, Stay Puffed. Who wins that we did? There were, th- there were things in there I didn't want to think about either. Yeah. So you anyway, rely on me for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um. So yeah. So I mean, the, the, the gummy bears themselves were actually massively outnumbered by the humans um in the show. Which I know kind of sets them. It, it's the way the show is set up. The gummy bears went into no, the ancient gummies went into hiding, or the great gummies went into hiding. So you only had a smattering left. But I mean, for for your six main gummy bears, you've probably got fifteen human characters. And that's uh, a lot of tertiary characters, really. Isn't it, it? it is, and like, they, no, there was some. I so say you had um, you you had the French princess. Um, to the, uh, the 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 sort of the neighbouring country that was allied, you had the um, the Oriental um, uh, prince um, who who came who came to Dunwin as well, and said no, he he allied with the gummy bears as well. So I mean, they they kind of recurred every now and again. So they they all recurred, but some of them you think you might have seen for like five seconds per episode, just to just to move things along a little bit. You you didn't necessarily need them all. Um, I mean, the only significant ones really was of um, the king um, King Gregor. Princess Kala, and then um, Duke Igthorn, um as, as, as your antagonist. What was the kid, the squire? He was the main one. The squire, I can't remember his name. I'm just looking for him now. Um, Cabin. 
Yeah, he's the one that finds the gummy bears to begin with, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember how he finds them exactly. I think he's in a fight and he stumbles across them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so but he, I mean, there's him as well. But more than the... I mean, as far as tertiary characters go, more than the humans, what I really remember is the ogres. Yes, I mean, the, the ogres had a very distinctive design, um, which I remember far more than anything else. And it's, it's, I mean, that's apart from this enduring image I've got of um, Eggthorn being bounced on by Covey, it's the um, the, two, the two big ogres, um, whose name were Gad and Zook, um, which I found out today. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're... they're because they're, they're so much bigger as well. You've always got this thing of the gummy bears bouncing over them or bouncing up and jumping on their heads and things. When in reality, no, again, looking at reality, but for the size on them, you know, if they weren't taking steroids, they, they're not going to be able to jump that high. And that was the whole thing, that humans were that much bigger and then the ogres were that much bigger again. And it just kind of gave you this sort of sense that they, you know, not only were they outnumbered, they were quite heavily outmuscled and outmatched as well. Or they should have been, but they still managed to pull it off and, and get away with things every week. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely outmatched in terms of size. It just occurs to me, actually, that we're, we're talking about how original this was and how it came from a packet of gummy bears, and this is such a rich lore to draw from it. Mm. Um, bollocks. This is Asterix the goal. Yeah. It, it literally is. Tiny... Tiny dude drinks a magic potion, beats up the entire Roman army. Same thing, but with bears and English people. Same thing. Yeah, kinda. I'll I'll take that. But, um... That kind of disappointed me. I was up, I was really up on a cloud <laughs> about this one. I was like, this is so inventive. No, it's not, is it? But yeah, you know, I mean, a... if you look at stories, I was there are only some you know, seven original stories or something like that. So I mean, you're always going to have crossovers at some point. Um, the the concept itself stands, I think, and the, the the execution might be borrowed from elsewhere. So the concept, I think, is is good enough to carry it. I it definitely is. I mean, it's executed very well. I'm just slightly disappointed to realise that it is Asterix, just with but fuzzy bears. bears. Yeah, basically. But I'd rather watch fuzzy bears than Asterix. Fuck off! Asterix is amazing. Ah, uh, it's no fuzzy bears though. No, I'll. I'll take aspects, thanks. But yeah, difference of opinion there. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, the the ogres are probably the most memorable of the non gummy bear characters. I mean, I'd forgotten his name, but the the little one, Toadwort. Um, again, you can kind of see him. He had this big sort of because of the sort of the shape of their mouths. They sort of they had these sort of really maniacal grins. The bigger ones, but because he was so much smaller, his head was a bit sort of misshapen. It just turned into this really sort of shit eating grin. And I can, yeah. it sort of just sort of stands out. And I, I remembered, I remembered the the visual. I couldn't remember his name, and I couldn't remember what he was from. I just remembered a Disney ogre that was really small and really annoying. Um, and going through it and sort of you know, looking up some some of the images and sort of reading about it, and recognize who he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was a very interesting character in as much as yeah, his, his name kind of gives it away. He's he's a toady. He's a sycophant. Um, but you always kind of felt sorry for him because much like um, they tried to do later on with stuff like um, Iago in, in the Aladdin series, you they kind of tried to position him that, yes, okay, he was on the wrong side, but he wasn't as bad as was made out. And I think whereas whereas Iago was just was kind of loudmouthed and obnoxious and you know, he, he was out for himself, 
Tony was kind of, or Tony was kind of just bumbling around and didn't really, it didn't really matter what side he was on because he was just there and if he was on the other on, on the other side he'd be just as annoying but just as lovable yeah I think that's fair I think the ogres in general are actually quite lovable characters um, they're not designed to be particularly scary no um, well I mean you look at the, so, yeah I mean the, the, so the characters the, the, their, their stunted language makes them comical they're their colouring makes them comical. I mean, the one is green with orange hair, and the other, well, the other purple with a, a helmet on. So you know, they they don't lend themselves to being big scary monsters. One no, one's got bright orange hair, and one's Barney. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, they they're kind of they're cuddly versions of um, of henchmen. Yeah, that's exactly what they are, actually, aren't they? Yeah, and then no, you had this sort of the, the long-standing joke with um, Ichthorn saying, "Don't call me Dookie." And they'll go, okay, doogie. And no, it's this whole thing of just not making a uh, joke on the oh, fact his name means poo. Yeah. I have literally only just noticed that because you pointed it out to me. Seriously. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's this, just, it's this running joke that his name means shit. Um, I know he's, he, he's the villain, but he's, you know, he's, not, he's not respected. He's not powerful. He's just, no, he, he's, he's the turd that nobody likes. Um, and so they and they call him Dookie, and he he hates it because he thinks he's better than that. He he, he doesn't like it as a nickname, but they all call him it um, th- out of affection, but kind of going the other way. I can't fucking believe I've only just realised that. That's quite that, slow for yeah. you. You're normally pretty pretty switched on yeah. with stuff like that. Yeah, I I, I think because Dookie's not really a term that's used that extensively in this country. In this country, no. I mean, I think. Gen, gen, I, say, I don't think it's used at all pretty much in this country um, but given sort of the excessive American TV we, we've watched over the years it's kind of, that's why it jumped out at me um, it, It's a, probably a case like yeah, on re-watching I'm surprised I haven't picked up on it yeah, I certainly As a kid I wouldn't have noticed that yeah. That's fucking good It I is, think. and again it just no, it just shows us the, the, the level of, of planning that's gone into it and the intelligence that's gone into it for every point that this lost for being similar to Asterix, it's just game two for the Dookie game. <laughs> see, we're, see, we're fu- right back on course. Fuzzy bears all the way. Um, yeah, right back on course now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the the, the main characters you had, so the ones the ones were every week, so the um, the ogres and, and Dookie. They were they were never men. I know it was a Disney cartoon, so they were never going to be overly menacing. But you look at like Fat Cat in um, Rescue Rangers; he was always really sinister and quite maniacal, actually. Whereas these guys were just a bit bumbling and a bit. They had good plans, but they were just a bit silly. The execution was always off, and so the stories were sort of meandering. You didn't really get any sort of resolution to them anyway. Um, and I think that's probably something they learned. But then the some of the other villains you had, um, like Lady Bane, who's um, a witch. Um, she had a gummy medallion and she was constantly trying to steal uh, steal their power. Again, she never really kind of got anywhere. Um, they, you know, there were there were trolls. Um, there were car- uh, carpies with like vult- vultures, and nobody really ever did anything. So there was never never any real sort of direct threat apart from from uh, Igthorn and the ogres. And even then, it was kind of bumbling and kind of useless. Yeah, it as I said back at the start, those other shows, there was always a kind of enforce threat that's how tv was at the time that's how you wrote for tv you 
you crescendoed your threat after the commercial break and then you had to have a resolution and then you do it again up until the end. Um, but this feels very much more like a show for kids than yeah. those other ones. Yeah. Those other ones did. You know, they they were wrote with a family audience in mind, whereas this feels like a children's cartoon. And so yeah. the threat isn't there. It's far more comical. It's far more warm and fuzzy. Yeah. And I, I think that's possibly, so we've talked about the evolution of, of shows and sort of the things they learned from this that they apply to DuckTales, the things that DuckTales they apply to, to Rescue Rangers. And that's possibly the biggest one. And if you look at the styles and how they differ, that's, let's say that's possibly the most notable. Watching as watching back as an adult, obviously as a child, you don't really give a shit about that. Yeah, no, it is. There's there's a definite tonal shift from this to Ducktales. Yeah, a massive jump occurs. Even though you know they followed on, there is a massive jump there. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, by the time you then go into Rescue Rangers and Tailspin, and moving on from there, this was, they kept, they t- tended to keep the same tone then because they knew what worked. And I think this was very much a case of, so suck it and see, we want to make a show, but we don't really know how it's going to play out. So this yeah. is this is kind of, this is kind of, you know, film school for dummies, and then you go off and actually make your, uh, you, you make your magnum opus later on. Yeah. Magnum opus being Goof Troop, of course. Well, yeah, possibly, yeah. We'll, we'll come on to that later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I see. Largely successful um, in terms of home entertainment. Um, released international VHS um, in 1996. Um, there were um, eight um, eight sets, um, by eight volumes of um, of release. So there were 32 episodes across the eight um, the eight volumes, and they they kind of just handpicked. They don't think they went in any particular order. Um, they just picked the best episodes. So in the, between September 96 and September 97, they just sort of threw out a. a a couple of compilations, and then in November twenty uh, two thousand six, um, they released um, Volume One uh, DVD in Region One, which had seasons one to three on it, uh, and then they never released um, the second volume. Uh, they never released on DVD in the UK. Um, and annoyingly, it says since November twenty sixteen, the show has been available on the UK Disney streaming site Disney Life. Bollocks! Update your uh, update your records, Wikipedia, because it's not available not available as of today. No, and those DVDs, by the way, are horrendously expensive. Yeah, like those things are worth some scratch now. Um, but as per usual with these kind of things, if you want to find it, it's out there. Um, it's freely available on YouTube with adverts and stuff built in. Yeah. So it's there for you if you want to watch Gummy Bears. You probably haven't thought about it much until seeing this podcast pop up on your feed because it's one of those shows i think it's kind of always there yeah but you don't think about it every day but if you do if you want to find it it's available just yeah Yeah. you can't get it of any decent quality unfortunately no that's right um i think that's that's disappointing um just in terms of the release um in australia disney released nine volumes on uh, which have now long been discontinued they're all in complete storyline production order, but the first volume starts from episode 19 of season 2, and the first 18 episodes are only released um, on the Region 1 collection. So you kind of have to jump about even to get a full set. Um, but the uh, the Region 4 Australian DVDs go all the way to the end, so you can get all the episodes right up to episode 65, and so the two-parter that, that ended it all. So if you, if you look hard enough for it, and you're willing to travel or pay a shit-ton of postage, 
you can get a full set as long as your DVD player will actually do multiple regions. Okay. So, yeah. I wonder if I still know anybody in Australia. I'll have to see. Um, here's a good one for you because we, like, we always talk about sorts of the merchandise and there's, there's always a computer game. There's always a Capcom game. Um, it's one. This is one of the few Disney afternoon shows that didn't get one. Um, a Nintendo-based game. Um, DuckTales, Chip and uh, Dale, Darkwing Duck and Tales, but all had their own games, but this one didn't. Which is very disappointing because I mean, from it, your ball, then because I was I was going to say I don't remember ever playing a Gummy Bears game. No, I think the problem it would be very Mario esque because it would just be in order to beat things you'd have to jump you'd have to bounce on them. So I mean, pinball, open goal. Yeah, this thing lends itself to everything, but yeah, pinball game. Yeah. So I mean, it's, uh, you, can, you can send royalties to me, Disney. Just get on that shit now. Yeah, so emails will send you addresses, send the checks to. You. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I said talking about uh, about the show, it's it's generally considered to be the first um, of its kind, and so uh, and the the inspiration for all the shows that followed it from from a Disney perspective. Um, I mean, the up until this point, you didn't really have these long-running series um, from Disney or anybody else. And then, no, so you had DuckTales, Chippendale, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, Goof Troop, Bonkers, Gargoyles, and then into things like Recess, and then up to sort of the, the more recent stuff again. So, I mean, it's, it, it, all, it all spins from this, it all stems from this. And, I mean, it's not, it's not hard to see why. No. No, whilst it may not kind of match those shows tonally or for production value, you can definitely see how it was good enough to launch all of that. You know, for the time, it, it was much better than anything else was on. Like I say, it's the thing that I remember. It's the one that sticks out most prominently in my mind. So mm. there was obviously something good enough about it or something that I responded to enough in it yeah. to have that lasting impact on me. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, I, for me, I, I remember this DuckTales and Chippendale being on in my head, they're all at the same time. They can't have been because obviously there was a slight difference in production times and things like that. But I remember them all. You know, this was this was our weekend TV. It was you know, the, the Disney shows that were on, and be it based around um, Timmy Mallet and his program or one of the, so the, the Disney specific ones. This you know, this stuff was always on every weekend. Um, and yeah, it's 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 being able to go back to it and sort of pick up bits of it. And so sort of, yes, I've only seen things on YouTube. I've not managed to sort of see them properly, which I would have liked to do. Um, I say it, it, you look at it, and you go. Actually, I remember this. I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember storylines. I don't remember specifics of of episodes, but I remember the show, and remember so picking up. And going, oh yeah, I loved this, and now I can remember why. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those you you. I sort of picked it up and gone. Yeah, this is actually shit, which has happened quite a lot recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have rewatched some stuff, which unfortunately is utter shit. Um, well, I think that the shit is probably a bit harsh. I think doesn't stand up is probably a, a better way to look at it. Oh, we've watched some stuff that's utter shit. I've just been quite kind about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was trying to be nice about it. Yeah, we have watched some bollocks. But um, yeah, but I'm I mean, not this isn't anything out here. If you go back and listen to the other episodes, oh yeah, you yeah. you'll, you'll pick them out quite easily. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is um, this is part of for me. This is a big part of the childhood. Um, something I didn't remember is so successful in the UK that the episodes New Beginning and Faster Than a Speeding Tummy were released theatrically 
1986 and 87 uh, respectively. So what the fuck? Yeah, two episodes actually made it into the into the cinema, which I I do, did not know. I'm shocked that I don't have a memory of going to watch these in the cinema. In that case, yeah. What the fuck? I know. Like, I mean, it would have only, only been um, there would only been eleven minute shorts, or possibly the twenty two minute full episodes. Okay, okay. So they would have been before something. Like I, I'd assume before. so. I mean, I wouldn't have thought they'd be the fu- the whole feature because you'd be pretty fucked off if you if you went to a cinema and paid full price for eleven mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Maybe they like it. I'd imagine at the time they might have made before something like Basil the Great Mouse Detective yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so okay, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah, and that that kind of would do it. I mean, there was a lot of. A lot of Disney films were being re-shown in cinema at the time. I, I remember seeing Bambi in the cinema. I'm not old enough to see Bambi first time around, so it must have been repeated. So, I mean, they, they could have well put on some before something like that. You know, so yeah, this would have been the time of, um, prior to the kind of VHS releases. Yes. Uh, this would have been the time that Disney films were released on a cycle from the vault. So, yeah, there would have been plenty of opportunity to throw this in front of something. Yeah. So, um yeah, and I, I'm I'm amazed. I I don't remember that. I didn't know that. I mean, I'd imagine I would have seen it. I would have seen those those two episodes. But whether or not, whether or not it would have been, I don't know whether or not they would be memorable, or whether it's a case of at that age I'd have been going to the cinema for one of the first times, and so the event is possibly more memorable than actually what we saw. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Um, and then the, the last uh, last couple of things I sort of um, found when we're doing the research for this. Um, I didn't didn't know obviously how they'd done it, but um, the popularity of the show led to a retheming of Disney's motorboat cruise, along with a small part of Disneyland that became the Disney Afternoon Avenue. So um, the um, the motorboat cruise became the motorboat cruise to Gummy Glen, and they kind of just uh, they they retrofitted a load of um, a load of gummy bears into it. So they made they made it um, they made they made the the ride about the show rather than making a specific um, exhibit for it. Um, and then that's all the all the gummy bears were around the parks, as I've got pictures with uh, with Zummy and uh, Sunny, certainly, if not all of them, um, which I'll have to dig out. Um, they'll never be made public because you know, we want to see pictures of me as a kid. Um, but yeah, I've, I've certainly got them um, gathering dust um, in the attic somewhere. Notes. We want to see them. Well, yeah, well, if, if I can find them, I may, 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 probably won't uh, put them online. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's the sort of thing. They, 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 they in as much as this uh, the, the when by the time I got to Disney, Turtles was huge, and they were really selling that. They did the same with with gummy bears. They went, you know what? People love these characters, so even if we don't have the ogres, even if we don't have um, Duke Thorn, we're going to have the six gummy bears wandering around the park, shaking hands, giving hugs, taking pictures, signing autographs, and people loved it. And I know you're in Disney World, so you kind of you expect that whoever you see, people are going to be queuing up to taking pictures. But such is the depth of their characters, and such the sort of the size of their their back catalogue. Everybody will have a character, at least one character, who means more to them than most, if not all, of the others, and they will gravitate towards that. And the cues to see some of these characters, I mean, so the, the, the picture I've got with Zami, certainly the, the, the masses of people around, because everybody's queuing up to get to these characters. Um, and yeah, I mean, you look back at it now, and people don't necessarily remember this show as as fondly as they do more recent ones, because just because of the age of it. But I mean, at the time, this was fucking huge. Oh yeah, it definitely was, definitely was, and and that's as I say, that's the kind of thing for it with me in rewatching this show. I can't say that 
I've especially enjoyed it or found something new in it other than the Doogie gag, which you pointed out tonight. Yeah. So that's brought me endless joy. Um, but it's also not terrible. No, no, it's no. not a show. It's just not a fantastic show. But I will always carry it with me in that kind of warm, fuzzy, nostalgic way. Um, as as we alluded to earlier, when I first started rewatching this for the for the podcast, um, I didn't realize just how well I knew that theme tune. Oh, it's I mean, it's I, frightening. I've not rewatched Gummy Bears since I was like five or six. I've never felt the urge to revisit it. As soon as that theme tune hit on the YouTube clip, I could sing every word. I actually text Mark immediately, going like. Jesus Christ, I still know every word to the Gummy Bears song. Yeah, and I, I kind of have that. I mean, I have it more with Rescue Rangers, but and, like DuckTales is one of those anomalies because you know, DuckTales, woohoo, you know, it, it, it's, it's everywhere. People do that. The, so the Rescue Rangers and the Gummy Bear ones, they're a bit more subtle, but again, they just get they get stuck in there. And even if you don't think about them for years, as soon as you hear those opening bars, you're straight into it and you're singing along without even thinking about it. It's absolutely incredible. And again, yeah. I think that's part of the, the appeal of some of these things. So they, they do produce these genuine earworms that they boost the nostalgia, but also they, there's a bit of a feel-good factor because they're all very uplifting, they're all very, very grand. And you can't help but sort of thinking back to when you've known when, what, that mean, you know, what that means hearing as a child and how happy it made you that this show was on and you were getting to watch this, this program and then it brings back all the other memories. And yeah, it just gets right stuck in there. I didn't quite remember all the words, but I wasn't far off. Yeah, so I think in the case of this one, it, it really is like if it's something you remember fondly, then it's worth going back and watching, and it'll, yeah, a couple of episodes will bring that feeling back for you. Yeah, definitely. Is it worth seeking out if you've never watched it? Probably not. Um, however, I'm saying that, I don't know. Said, I mean, I've, I've talked to people the last couple of days um, about doing this. The majority of them were, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was really good. Every now and again, I got something, oh, I don't, I don't know that one. And you describe it, and they go, oh, yeah, I'll give it a look. And then, again, I've had people, you know, some people in work today, and they went, oh, I, I found a couple on uh, online. And it was really good. I wasn't expecting it. And you think, these are people in their 30s and 40s who've not seen this very obvious kids' program who've gone, actually, yeah, I really like that. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm wrong then. I, to me, it is just, it's basic. It's a... It's of its time, it really is, and the stuff that came in later was much more sophisticated. So revisiting as an adult, I get more out of those, but I definitely get the warm fuzzies from yeah. the show, and I think I always will. I, I think so. that's probably the best you can expect, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite happy. I mean, I've gone back to it. I've not seen as much as I would have liked to say. It ruined my lunch break today when I couldn't find it on Disney Life. Um, I was really fucking annoyed with that. Um, but yeah, so going back and picking a couple up on YouTube and some reading about it and some, no, just picking up some of the images and stuff that are online. There are some disturbing ones where, which people have doctored, which I'm not going to advise you look for those. Um, but oh, yeah. Did they answer my questions? <laughs> some of them, yeah. Um, although if, if, if you make little gummy bears like that, I'm sure that biology has gone a bit fucking haywire. But anyway. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll let you decide for yourself. Just um, Google, um, just do a Google image search of gummy bears. And then I mean, they become slightly no, slightly more disturbing as you go further down the page. And then they get worse and worse and worse. This shit writes itself, honestly. Cammy, Gerby, uh, Cammy. 
gummy, then you've got chubby gummy. These, I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's plenty I'm, you can I'm, do with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm on this. Yeah. That's me lost for the evening. <laughs> evening or week. Gummy porn. Yeah, don't Google gummy porn. God knows what you'll get. You'll get back. But, um, I'm intrigued. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll, I'll leave yeah. you to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely, it's, I'd say it's probably not the best thing we've talked about. We've talked about quite a lot of shows, and it's probably not the best one, but it's certainly, I came out of it feeling really happy and um, really having to identify why it meant so much to me because it hasn't, hasn't lost that much in, in translation. And some of the shows we've talked about, they were sort of really, really important as a child. And then you look back at them now and you think, fucking hell, that's awful. Um, this doesn't do that, so I came away from it feeling really happy, really, uh, really satisfied with what I'd seen, and then being able to see the evolution and what, of, of sort of what it was to the next show and the next show and the next show, which sort of, again, it's a, it's it's important, and I don't think it gets the credit it deserves sometimes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I I'd quite I'd recommend that if people haven't seen it or want to go back to it, then by all means seek it out. Yeah, definitely. If you if you remember it and you want to revisit it, then. It won't disappoint, I don't think. No. It, it's not It's not a DuckTales, you know? No, so. no, that's true. But it, 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 is, it is what it is. And also I think that if, if, you, if you enjoyed it first time around as a child, it's, it's a good nostalgia hit, whereas some of the things that we've looked at aren't quite what we expected them to be. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, each other, I want to say, you know, it may be a case of you, you, you pick it up as, a, as an adult and go, what the fuck did I ever like this for? Just as an aside... I've not found any gummy porn. Um, <laughs> I have, however, found reference to the Capcom Disney's Adventures of Gummy Bears video game. Oh, there okay. was one. Oh, there was one, okay. Uh, yep, it was uh, released for the Bandai Revolution, the Bandai Chaos, and the Bandai Pocket Turbo. Oh, that's um, what. That's why it wasn't noted then, because nobody knew what the fuck they were. Yeah, uh, they're not. They weren't popularized consoles but uh, essentially it sounds i can't find any screenshots but it actually sounds like those classic capcom four player scrolling beat-em-ups oh, so, okay, like, the, like the turtles one and stuff like that well they were, yeah they were economy i think weren't they but that that kind of thing capcom did um did a few of them as well and mm. you know final fight that kind of thing yeah um but you yeah, essentially you pick from four gummy bears you can all bounce and jump but they all have their own weapons. So Zummy Gummy can use magic spells. Gruffy Gummy can throw arrows. Tummy Gummy can do a... Uh, and Cabby Gummy uses a sword. So Okay. All right. So, yeah. Okay, Wikipedia was wrong on that one, then. Yeah, fuck you, Wikipedia. Yeah, fucking public sourced information. Fuck you. Yeah. Made me look like a twat. I do that well enough on my own. Um, so yeah, so that's um, that's Gummy Bears, and that's it. No, if 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 you like what you've heard, or you, you want to go back and listen to, uh, and watch it, by all means, do so. Um, if you want to have a chat with us about this or any of our other episodes, um, you can uh, contact us via our website, which is www.ddpodcast.net. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ddpodcastnet or at smpdpod. Um, not uh, not uh, smpd because that's a police department, and they really don't like us using their uh, using their information. They got quite a p- kind of pitch. them about cummy gummy. They'll love it, honestly. Actually, yeah, do that. Do lots of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, um, if Hashtag you like... Hashtag cummy gummy. 
hashtag Kermie Gummy. Um, if you like what you've heard, um, you want to hear more, so go to our website, www.ddpodcast.net. Um, our past episodes are on there. Um, some of our sister shows and partner shows are on there. Some very talented folks have uh, got shows in there as well. Um, but until next time, see you later.